People say the Premier League is impossible to predict, but this podcast is here to help. We're working with InfoGoal to take a look at the numbers for each and every one of the Premier League fixtures this season. If you're looking to find value in the markets, data can be the key. Welcome to Premier League Insights. So after a week off for the international break, we're back for game week five of the Premier League. Joining me again to help uncover the value in this week's 10 fixtures is Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoal. How's it going, Jake? Yeah, all good. I'll, I'll be a lot better when the international break is over and we're back to the actual nitty-gritty of week-to-week football. There you go. We're nearly there. There's there's definitely some, some really intriguing matches this week, so I suggest we kind of get to it and, and see what we can find. Yeah, let's get started. First up, we've got Liverpool versus Newcastle. When, before we kind of get into this game or any other one, I think we should say that there's a, a caveat that applies to all, all games that we're dealing with, and that's we're still at very small sample size territory here. And Although that being the case, it does seem that Liverpool, at the moment, they're not as potent in attack in terms of chances created as they were last season. And I think the the big worry for them is probably at the other end of the pitch because they really don't look as defensively sturdy as they did last season. Um on the other side, Newcastle are a team that have had like a bit of a mixed bag. They they had that defeat to Norwich, um, and then they've gone and got a win against Tottenham. Do you think there's any chance of them causing Liverpool any danger, or is this one going to be as one-sided as the odds suggest? Um, I believe it's going to be as one-sided as the odds suggest. Infocol currently has Liverpool at a 73% chance of, of winning this game, which isn't as heavy as, as what the market is. The market's around 85%. So there's no value in backing Liverpool in the 1x2. But as you've mentioned, defensively so far this season, Liverpool, there have been question marks. They did put some of those uh, questions to bed, answered them well against Burnley, limiting them to very few chances and keeping a clean sheet the first of the season in the Premier League. So there's the positive signs there that they look like they're trending back towards uh, what we saw last season. Um, As for Newcastle, they shouldn't be underestimated uh, going forward. They've had one of the toughest schedules so far this season, obviously playing against um, Tottenham, Leicester's quite, uh, sorry, Arsenal and Tottenham are both really tough tough fixtures to have in the opening four matches. Um, and defensively, they've been really strong. They've conceded uh, just 1.23 XGA against Arsenal, 1.24 against Tottenham, and an average of just 1.38. So they will limit Liverpool or attempt to in, in what we're seeing as a, as a really defensive-minded Newcastle team setting up in almost a a 5-3-2 formation with just Almiron um, and Joe Linton up front by themselves. They have the capabilities, like I've said, to limit Liverpool. But again, we're expecting a comfortable home win. But Infogol is flagging the value here is, uh, in, in the goals market with under 3.5 goals, giving that a 67% chance uh, of happening compared to around 57% chance on the market. So next up, we've got Brighton versus Burnley. And this one, I mean, last season, you would have said it's a matchup of two similar teams in the sense that they tended to prioritise their defence over their attack. They'd, they'd try and stay in games and maybe nick a goal here and there. Um, this season, it's it's probably still a matchup of two similar teams, but they're actually set up very differently in the way they play now. Obviously, Graham Potter's come in and, and changed things up at Brighton. Um, they've looked good in patches. And then we've got... Burnley, they, they seem like a bit of a different team altogether. They Ashley Barnes has emerged as a man who's going to spearhead their attack. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, as you mentioned, the two sides are probably um, in a similar position. They're both looking to avoid relegation and both looking for probably a mid-table finish. And they're, 
they're capable of doing that, the pair of them. Brighton last week, uh, last time out, sorry, I say last week, we got international break, but last time out against Man City, they were, they were beaten 4-0 and on the face of it, that looks like a pounding, which is, you know, that's what to be expected when you go to Manchester City. But according to expected goals, they were, they were slightly harshly done by. They limited Manchester City to just 1.88 expected goals, which is Man City's lowest return of the season so far. While they also caused City a few problems, racking up over 1xG. So the signs are there that, um, that Brighton continue to trend in the right direction under Graham Potter. And although they've lost the last two matches, uh, it's only a matter of time before they bounce back. Their underlying performances are continue to be really strong. And as for Burnley, I mentioned already the, the 3-0 defeat against Liverpool. This really, this is the first game they struggled to create chances. But prior to that, against Wolves, Arsenal and Southampton, they'd racked up over one expected goal. Um, Ashley Barnes obviously on fire. He scored four, four goals in, in four games at the start of the season. And that's where Infogol's looking in this game. There's no value in the 1x2. We think Brighton are slightly too short at around 44%. We're putting them around 38% in what we expect to be a much more even game. But we're looking at goals. Infogol's going around 53% chance of both teams to score, which is priced about right um, compared to the markets. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the over-under is relatively low at 2 and 2.5 as well in the the under's actually the favourite, so one where people are probably thinking these teams are set up like they were last season. But both sides have started the season looking quite dangerous in attack, so um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was, a, it was an entertaining high-scoring game, this one. So on to Manchester United versus Leicester, and this one for me and probably a lot of people out there is is the highlight fixture of the weekend. We've got a Manchester United team who started well with a 4-0 win over Chelsea, but since then they've... They've kind of capitulated a bit. They've drawn two and lost one of those following three games. Leicester obviously had a, a difficult start, but they do remain unbeaten after two wins and two, two draws. And this one is probably going to be billed as the game that could shift that dynamic of what was the big six in the Premier League that everyone's banging on about that could someone break into them. So how does InfoGoal rate Leicester's chances? Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is probably the, the standout fixture of the weekend two teams that, that Infocol has matched up pretty closely um, pre-season and after four games. Uh, looking at Manchester United, I know you've said that the things have gone a little bit downhill since their opening day victory, but based on the chances created and the performances in, in the three matches that followed the Chelsea win, United should have won all three. They're creating good chances. Obviously, we know that they've racked up three penalties so far in four matches, but against Crystal Palace and against Southampton, they've created enough chances from open play to deserve to win the match um, more interestingly is their defensive process as uh, they concede in an average of 0.84 expected goals against per game which suggests that that Solskjaer looks to have shored things up defensively they've just been a little bit unfortunate in conceding as many goals as they have so far uh, they actually have the second best defensive record after four matches um, only bettered only by their opponents in this game Leicester Brendan Rodgers has got his side playing some really good football. They comfortably beat Bournemouth last time out. 2.38 expected goals um, in a 3-1 win is the best performance to date. Again, they started with quite a tough opening schedule, playing Wolves uh, and Chelsea and a trip to Sheffield United, which going forward we know is going to be a a tricky assignment. Uh, But prior to the Bournemouth game, they struggled in attack with the the main source uh, of getting the points being the defensive process. 
And like I mentioned, they've got the best defensive process so far this season, conceding just 0.73 expected goals um, per game. So we're expecting this to be quite a tight game. Looking at the 1x2 market, Man United look a tad too short at at 52%. The Infocore model is going around 45%. So the um, the value play in this one from an Infocore perspective is, is to look at Leicester getting something from the game. We think they're slightly underrated uh, going to Old Trafford. We're giving them a 55% chance of coming away with, at the very least, a draw. We're going with Leicester or draw. Yeah, I mean, even just the Leicester win market seems short at around about 20, 20%. So, certainly be interesting to see how that one pans out. We then got Sheffield United versus Southampton. And these are two sides who probably came into the season being a bit underestimated for very different reasons. I mean, obviously, Sheffield United came up from the Championship with, with two exciting teams in Norwich and Aston Villa. Um, they probably flew under the radar with their strong back line and their consistent performances, but I think that's kind of emerged very quickly this season. And their opponents, Southampton, have, have been in the Premier League for a few seasons now, and they managed, a, I think it was a sixth-place finish a few years back, but since then they've, they've bounced around kind of below mid-table, being threatened by relegation. And if you look at the numbers from last season, they were a bit unlucky um, to finish where they did. So this one is another one. It's an intriguing fixture. It's it's probably very difficult to dissect. So how does InfoGoal think think things will play out? We're expecting a, a tight game here. As I mentioned before, Sheffield United have arguably been the standout promoted team so far this season, probably outshone both Norwich and Aston Villa. Uh, obviously, the 2-2 draw away at Chelsea is an eye-catching result. They were slightly fortunate to get um, to get a point based on XG, but the second-half performance coming from 2-0 down to get a point away from home at one of the top six um, is a fantastic effort from Chris Wilder and his side. They've looked solid so far this season, um, both in defence and in attack. They're creating some good chances, um, and only against the better teams in the league, such as Chelsea, they're conceding um, good opportunities. They're six to four, thirty-nine percent chance of winning this game looks a little bit too short. Um, and as you mentioned, Southampton have one of the sides that did underperform last season, and they've continued to underperform uh, at the start of this season with their performances warranting much more um, than the results would suggest. They've been strong in attack under Ralph Hasenhutl this season, one point six five expected goals for per game, and they definitely have the capabilities, the the pace, the power to cause Sheffield United back line um, a fair few problems in this match as I said already 39% Sheffield United looks a little bit too short and in fact the Infogol model is making Southampton favourites for this game um, giving them around a 43% chance uh, of getting the win we basically see this as, as a Southampton side that are ranked as the 10th to 11th best team in the league coming up against a Sheffield United side that are ranked 17th or 18th um, so we're slightly uh, favouring Southampton to get the win and there's definitely value in, in backing the Saints to go to Bramall Lane and get something. Yes, yeah, a big discrepancy there according to the odds. I think Pinnacle has them around 30-32%. So, as you said, maybe they finally get a slice of good luck. Maybe those performances get the results that they deserve, but we'll have to wait and see. We then got Tottenham versus Crystal Palace, and this is one that a lot of people probably have down as a, a straightforward win for Tottenham. I think Pinnacle's odds have them around 70%. Um, but I think it's People are probably quick to forget they've had a really poor run of form in the Premier League lately. Their their last six games, I think they're down as losing eight, drawing four, and obviously 
four wins in between there as well. Um, their opponents, potentially, this is where the the potential for a straightforward win comes from because Crystal Palace at the start of the season, I think you suggested them as a an outsider for relegation in our preview podcast and that certainly looked possible based on their first few performances and since then they've obviously had that win against Manchester United which you said they're a bit fortunate to get and then they've also won at Aston Villa as well so things are looking a little bit better. Um, it's another interesting one to try and analyse. Do you think there's any value on offer? Not in the 1x2 market, no. Um, as you've mentioned, Tottenham are around 70-71% chance of getting the win here, which is really, really short for a team that are, that are really struggling so far this season. We've we've seen them, obviously, at Arsenal. They're outplayed for the, the entirety of that second half. Deservedly got a point, but um, if you take away the penalty based on open play XG, Arsenal were comfortable winners in that game. Um, defensively, they continue to look really, really weak Tottenham which is quite a surprise because for the last two years two seasons under Pochettino the Spurs have been one of the best defensive teams in the league obviously Hugo Lloris has been a big part of that making quite a few big saves where he arguably shouldn't have been saving but you know to see a decrease this bad this fast and this early in the season it, it must be a huge worry for Tottenham fans uh, they've averaged they've conceded an average of 1.8 expected goals against per game which is which is right up there with relegation numbers. Um, and like you said at the start of the, of the podcast, we're only four games in, so it's a small sample size, but the early signs are, are really, really poor. Um, take it with a pinch of salt. They have played Manchester City and Arsenal, both away from home, um, which is where the majority of that XG against has come from. But even in the games against Newcastle and Aston Villa, they've, they've conceded good chances. Um, so Crystal Palace will be licking the lips at facing the, uh, this, this Tottenham side right now. Um, and there are Palace sides that are really high at the minute. They're, they're flying. They win away at Manchester United and then beat Aston Villa at home to register, what, seven points in the first uh, four matches, which which is a good turnaround considering the performance they put in at Sheffield United in game week two, where they were absolutely abysmal. Um, they deservedly beat Villa. They created by far the better chances. I know, you know, the argument about the, the disallowed goal for Aston Villa will rumble on uh, and rightly so but based on purely on the, the chances that each team created um, Palace were deserved winners and I mentioned ahead of the, the, the Manchester United game that in terms of Palace their biggest asset is the counter-attacking abilities um, and we're going to see that again in this game They're going to, it's going to really suit them to play um, really deep against Tottenham and then just spring on them with the pace and, uh, and the power that they have in their team so we're looking at this game as I've said already, Tottenham look way too short, 71%. Um, if anything, they should be opposed in this game. But um, the Infocol's flagging the main uh, the main value, at just backing both teams to hit the net. As I mentioned, Tottenham's defence has been uh, has been extremely poor so far this season. Palace will be looking forward to playing uh, and, and will likely register a goal. Infocol's going 53% chance of a both teams to score, um, which is a fair reflection uh, according to the market. So now we've got Wolves versus Chelsea and this is it's another one that kind of jumps out as a really good fixture. Um, I don't think anyone can really argue with Wolves having the most difficult start to the season. They've, their easiest p- fixture, if you like, on paper was a game against Burnley who have said have, have played well. They've already played three teams that many would have had as top six contenders in, in Leicester, Manchester United and Everton and they're going to be coming up against another one this weekend in Chelsea. Um 
when you throw in the fact that they're they've got the Europa League fixture congestion to deal with, it's not really surprising to see that they haven't got a win on the board yet. And I guess their their opponents they they can maybe take some heart in the fact that Frank Lampard is still finding his feet at Chelsea. There's a pattern emerging there of a good attack but a very poor defence. I mean, it's all well and good, Tammy Abraham finding the net, but if you're going to concede two goals a game, you're not going to win many. Um, I'd be interested to know what your thoughts on this one are. Yeah, this is probably, along with the Man United-Leicester game, this is probably the other standout game of the weekend. Um, as you mentioned, Wolves have had a really, really tough schedule um, to start the season. Couple that in with the fact that they've had to play six games in the Europa League just to get to the to the group stages. Um and you start to understand perhaps why they've been lacking when it's coming to the Sunday matches. They've been putting so much in um, in the Europa League just to make sure that they can take advantage of the, the seventh-place finish last season and actually get to the uh, to the group stage proper. That it's probably been, uh, been sapping. No doubt that this two-week uh, or week-and-a-half and uh, break for Wolves has it's probably revitalised them. It's probably given them... Um, you know, some more energy. Obviously, there'll be a handful of players that will have been on international duty, but for the majority of the squad, this is a much-needed break ahead of what is another really tough game um, on paper. But obviously, the underlying process so far this season has been quite poor. Although, I'll caveat that with the fact that they their best performance today um, did come in the 3-2 defeat against Everton, uh, where they were very unfortunate to lose the game based on expected goals. And another performance like that in this game, would certainly see them come away with the three points. Last season, Wolves were rated as the fifth best team on expected goals. So their underlying performance, underlying processes last season was extremely good. Um, couple that in with the fact that they've had a tough schedule and there's no reason to think that they won't eventually come back to that, that level of process at the start of this season and maybe even in this game. As you mentioned already, Chelsea's defensive process continues to be really, really poor. Um, Obviously, they themselves have had a relatively tough opening couple of games. Manchester United away, followed by Leicester at home. But playing against Norwich um, and Sheffield United, two new promoted sides, and picking up four points, I think Frank will have probably wanted more from those two games. <clears throat> but what he has seen is, is a team that, that, that players like Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, are starting to flourish in, in what is a very attack-minded Chelsea side creating good chances but on the flip side they're leaving themselves wide open there remains plenty of question marks about them in defence they're conceding an average of 1.42 expected goals against per game um, and there's every chance here that Wolves can really cause Chelsea some problems uh, they beat them in in this fixture last season and they have Wolves had an extremely good record against the top six last season and to be fair they started the, this this time round you know they beat, they've got a good point with Manchester United albeit fortunate as you mentioned, Leicester are a, a top six contender like Wolves. They went to, um, to the King Power and got a point. So Wolves will fancy their chances here. And, and the Infocom model thinks that they've been slightly underrated. Surprisingly, uh, Infocom makes Wolves favourites for this game. 39% chance um, of getting the win compared to the 32% available. Purely based on the fact that these two sides are really evenly matched on underlying process uh, and InfoGoals ratings. So in fact, the only difference between the two teams is the home advantage, which hence means that Wolves are being made favourites for this game. Uh, and obviously that represents a huge amount of value. Um, 
and it's definitely something that, that could see happening given what we've seen from Chelsea so far. Yeah, I think that one will definitely have to be one to watch if Chelsea are listed as the favourites in the market. Infogold are suggesting otherwise, and as you said, home field advantage, a bit of a break for Wolves. We'll have to we'll have to see what happens there. So then we got Norwich versus Manchester City, and I mean this one's. I think even Norwich fans will be clutching at straws here to suggest that they can do something to take down Manchester City. There, City are just they're relentless in attack. Um, I think last season they only failed to score in five or six games in all competitions. Um, they're extremely good at the back. Obviously, Laporte's going to be a big miss, but even if Pukki gets a chance and puts it away, you've then got to try and limit the likes of De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero, Silva. I think City are up somewhere near kind of 3xG per game. So I'm guessing if there's any value in this one, it's going to be away from the the traditional markets. Yeah, you're dead right. They've... Again, like we, I think it was Brighton, wasn't it? The last game, and Brighton were like thirty-five to one to get the win, which is just extraordinary. And now you've got Norwich, obviously a newly promoted team, and they're twelve to one to win at home. Just shows you the dominance uh, that Manchester City have got over the Premier League right now. Um, and their price, I think, they're about eighty-two percent chance of get of winning the game on the market. That is a fair reflection of just how good they are. Um, but as you said, there's not really any value in 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 that market. And um, we look at Norwich. Obviously, they, they had the win against Newcastle, but either side of that, three defeats, three games in which they conceded good chances, showing plenty of defensive vulnerabilities, which is the last thing you want to be doing when you're coming up against um, such a, a marauding Manchester City team that just show no sign of slowing down. As you mentioned, they're averaging close to three expected goals per game. It, it, this game is really just a matter of how many rather than who's going to get the win. Um in for goals, looking at the goals market, we're looking at under 3.5 goals. Obviously, we went for that in the in the Bournemouth game and the Brighton game. And they've just edged over both times. Uh, but this game, although Norwich are defensively really, really poor, the, the hope is that Manchester City will struggle, not struggle, they'll, they'll cruise to a victory, um, hopefully a 2-0, 3-0. But this could be anything. It could be a 5, it could be a 6. It, it, it could be 5-1. Like you said, Norwich have got some really good, talented attacking players like Cantwell and Pukki that could perhaps nick a goal. Um, but the, the bet in this game, from Infocol's point of view, is to go under 3.5 goals, which we have a, a 62% chance of, of happening. Yeah, it's very rare to see a, a total goals market posted above 3.5. We've got four at Pinnacle, and as you said, it you do wonder if, if City get a couple of early goals, just where this one could end up. We've now got Bournemouth versus Everton and Bournemouth have pretty much carried on this season from where they off la- when they left off last season and every season before that really. They they tend to pose a threat going forward but they, they often struggle at the back. Um, I guess in fairness their two losses have come against pretty strong sides in Manchester City and Leicester um, but this weekend they've got what looks like on paper another difficult one in Everton. Um, there was a lot of hype about Everton at the start of the season. I think, if truth be told, they've they've been a bit disappointing. Although they've they've got a couple of wins and the results might have looked okay, it seems that the under underlying performances haven't actually been that great. So, what does the info goal model suggest here? Yeah, you're dead right when when it comes to Bournemouth. I mean, they are just just the league's entertainers. They've got chances at both ends. It's a pretty pretty much a given whenever you go to watch Bournemouth. Man. 
and that's been the case again this season. The averages are well, 2.27 expected goals against per game, 1.47 expected goals for per game. So when whenever Bournemouth play, it's going to be an entertaining watch. Um, they've got really f- strong attacking players, Fraser, Wilson, King. Um, defensively, they look strong on paper, but obviously the way that Eddie Howe sets them up, they are so gung-ho in trying to score goals. They do end up getting found out in defence. Um, and as you mentioned, Everton, that pre-season many had them down as uh, as top six contender, as did him for goal. We thought that Everton, Wolves and Leicester, the three of them, could really challenge um, the establishment this season. And as you mentioned, from what we've seen so far, there's not been too much to shout about in terms of um, Everton's underlying process. Yeah, they were arguably unfortunate not to get the win at Palace. They were definitely fortunate to beat Watford. They were unlucky to lose to Villa, but against Wolves, it was the first time we've seen them really exposed this season defensively. They conceded 2.14 expected goals, which is, which was a huge jump actually from uh, what what they've managed in the first three games against what has been their toughest game to date um, against Wolves. Obviously, a trip to Bournemouth won't be as tough as playing uh, Wolves, but they'll be you know they're favourites to win the game 39%. They'll be hoping to keep that run going um, and really kick on. In terms of uh, what Infogol's fancying for this game quite simply goals that's that's what Infogol is looking at over 2.5 goals we've got down to 60% chance um, it's around 58% on the market so there's value there um, it's just look just a high scoring game it wouldn't be surprised to see both teams score as well given um, the attacking and the attacking qualities of Bournemouth and Everton and the defensive frailties so yeah but Infogol's mainly main bet for this one is, is over 2.5 goals so on to Watford versus Arsenal, and, and Watford haven't hung around in changing things up. Javi Gracia's out, Kike Sanchez-Flores is in. Um, it might seem a little bit harsh to some people, but I think things do really need to change, and that's not based on the first four games of this season. They really kind of fell away and tailed off at the end of last year as well. Um, their opponent's Arsenal... Another team potentially where the results look okay, but the underlying performances have been pretty poor. Um, They struggled for wins against Newcastle and Burnley. They're obviously comfortably beaten by Liverpool. You said earlier that they actually had the better of the game against Spurs, but they still conceded two goals and looked shaky at times. Do you think we'll see the myth of the new manager effect begin to kick in for Watford, or will Arsenal have enough for this one? Uh, there's every chance that the um, that the new manager effect will kick in. Um, I mean, starting on that, was it 35 minutes or something that it took um, for them to put out a statement parting ways with Javi Gracia and then appointing Kike Sanchez Flores? Obviously, that was seen by many or by some as distasteful, but for me, that just shows good planning. They've obviously earmarked Sanchez uh, Sanchez Flores as uh, the one that they, the manager they wanted to bring back in again. Obviously, he's had a this is his second spell at the club. But looking at their underlying performances so far this season, for me, there hasn't been anything alarming. There hasn't been anything that's really worrying for Watford that that, that would have that would have made me think that they, that they would have parted ways with Gracia this early in the season. Especially when you look at the next uh, few fixtures. I mean, they've got uh, Arsenal this weekend. They've got Manchester City coming up as well. Then they've got a trip to Wolves, a trip to Tottenham. So the fixtures aren't getting any easier for the new manager that's coming in. So it's a bit of a surprise that they have they've parted ways with Gracia. We all know Watford's got a really talented squad available to them when, when all the players are fit. 
still got some players they need to integrate, like Ismail Assar. So they are, they are. Many think that Watford probably this season maybe stood still with Gracia. So I can understand why they've probably moved on from him. Um, but based on their underlying performances, there's not been anything too negative. Um, as for Arsenal, like I mentioned against Tottenham, they, they did have the better of, of, of the game. But they just continue to look really, really poor defensively. Uh, Unai Emery clearly isn't working too hard on the defensive shape. Um, obviously, that's always going to be difficult when David Luiz is playing centre-half. He, he, in the last two games now, he's made crucial mistakes um, against both Liverpool and Tottenham. He looks an obvious target for any uh, any attacking attacking side. Like Watford will definitely be targeting him. And, and if Troy Deeney is fit, he'll be pulling straight onto David Luiz. Um, 1.8 XGA per game Arsenal conceding, which is um, that's a bottom half table number. And like we said already, it's a short, small sample size, but the early signs are not positive at all. In attack, prior to the Tottenham game, they were averaging 1.2 expected goals per game. Obviously, the Tottenham 2.36 will boost that up a little bit, but they've not really set the world alight. They've picked up seven points, but it's been quite uninspiring. Um, things like new manager bounce it, for me it's a bit of a myth but in this game given the way that Arsenal are playing and given how Watford have started and how it hasn't been as bad the Infocore model is going for uh, Watford or the draw giving a, a 55% chance of Watford getting something from the game just suggesting that Arsenal are priced up a little bit too short in this one Yeah I mean all it takes is a bit of positive regression for Watford and all of a sudden Kikez Sanchez Flores looks like the hero and, and Javi Gracia is lambasted for not getting the best out of his players, but that's that's Premier League soccer at the end of the day, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, you're spot on. So last but not least, we've got Aston Villa versus West Ham, and these are another two teams that they appear a little bit difficult to work out. Aston Villa wouldn't have expected much from their first game against Tottenham, um, but they'll definitely be disappointed with losses against Bournemouth and Crystal Palace. And then obviously in between that, they had a good win against Everton. So it's not not necessarily all doom and gloom for them. West Ham are another team that a lot of people were big on at the start of the season, which for people who were looking at underlying numbers, that came as a bit of a surprise because they need some, some massive imp- improvements before they get anywhere near the top six. And after an opening day defeat to Manchester City, it was 5-0. And then they followed that up with a what was a lucky draw against Brighton. It looked like they were carrying on from where they left off. However, they've now got two wins under their belt against Watford and Norwich and they, they seem to be going in the right direction. Do you think they're capable of making it three wins from three? Uh, yes, uh, to put it simply. Obviously, West Ham have really impressed me personally over the last few weeks with the way they've been uh, attacking. But the main reason that I think West Ham have got a really, really good chance of winning this game is the fact that I'm really worried about Aston Villa. I know we say it again, small sample size, but what I've seen so far in terms of underlying process has been really, really poor. Um, only Watford have performed uh, worse when it comes to expected points per game this season. Um, like you mentioned, they were comfortably beaten on the opening game against Tottenham, slightly unfortunate against Bournemouth, really fortunate to get a win against Everton and then comfortably beaten by Palace. So, the, the, there are some serious worries uh, when it comes to Aston Villa. Uh, they've argue, arguably been the worst of the three promoted teams so far this season as well. And they're conceding an average of 1.99 expected goals against per game, which is really, really high um, for a team that last season was, especially during the playoff run, 
was uh, lauded for its, its defensive solidity. And, you know, they've gone out and they've splashed cash on people like Target and Mings to shore up uh, the defensive line. And Tom Heaton, obviously, in, in, in net. But so far, it doesn't seem to be paying off. As I mentioned about West Ham, that their attacking process has taken off over the last few weeks. Manuel Pellegrini deserves all the credit for just throwing out all of his best attacking players. Uh, Yarmolenko, Lanzini, Anderson, Haller, all four of them are playing and all four of them are playing well, which means that they're going to score goals. 3.9 next year against Watford, 2.28 against Norwich. They'll be licking the lips at, at the thought of playing against his Aston Villa uh, defence. Um, the Infocore model going 41% chance of a West Ham win compared to the 36 on the market. So it's good value in backing a West Ham win, which I'm sure you'll be pleased uh, to hear, Ben. Absolutely thrilled, Jake. I can't wait for them to let us down. <laughs> We've got, just on that one, I mean, it's very interesting to see, and you rarely see it on the market. Villa are at 2.69 and West Ham 2.64. So their pinnacle obviously has them very evenly matched at 36% chance of a win. So as you said, potentially some value there on West Ham. But there we go. That's That's our 10 games for the weekend in the Premier League. Thanks, as always, for coming on and sharing your thoughts, Jake, and, and giving us a view of the Premier League fixtures through the, the info goal lens. So much appreciated. You're very welcome. Let's do it again next week. And as always, if you want more information on InfoGoal, then visit infogoal.net, follow at InfoGoal app on Twitter, and download the InfoGoal app on Apple and Android. You can get all the latest Premier League odds on pinnacle.com. Best of luck with your bets, and please remember, gamble responsibly.